Hello and welcome back to Play to Find Out, the podcast from the Dungeon World Discord. We've got a kind of different show for you this week, a little bit experimental, a little bit weird, because Eamon is out again. Now, I think we're going to uh, start stabilizing the whole show routine in the next few weeks once Eamon's uh, personal commitments in life start to change a little bit. But in the meantime, it's given us a chance to try something a little bit new this week. What I actually have for you are two separate mini-sodes with a couple of people that I have encountered in my personal life and beyond who have interesting things to share about games that they've played and things that they've done and hopefully will bring something cool to the table. To start, we're going to listen to some highlights from players in my in-person game, which is going to be particularly fun, I think, as an insight into players with minimal experience. Two of the players had their first ever tabletop role-playing session end about 10 minutes before we started recording. And one of the, of the other people that you're going to hear from had only ever played Dungeon World with me once before and had played Dungeons & Dragons prior to that. I was really interested to hear their impressions. And while I do feel like maybe having me in the room biased their takeaways a little bit, it was a really fun game. And my impression was that they had a lot of fun too. So we're going to listen to that. Here's, hear about some highlights from that game. And then we're going to switch gears and we're going to listen to an adventure workshop and a picture this from somebody that I've recently met through a community for podcasters and tabletop game players. Now, the player in question goes by the online alias Golden Lasso Girl. Her name in real life is Kimmy. And she brought some really interesting stuff to the table today to talk about with regards to subverting tropes around women NPCs, and also had a really cool thing to bring for Picture This that we got to talk through about the idea of a samurai in a foreign land to really drive home the idea that even in a medieval fantasy setting, the people that you meet can come from all over and should exist in places beyond just the walls of wherever you are. So I hope you enjoy. Let's start out our show by jumping in to some highlights from my recent game. All right. Hello and welcome to Play to Find Out, a Dungeon World podcast from the Dungeon World Discord. I am Arthur, or Art Project, one of your hosts, and we've got a very special episode this week because Eamon is out on assignment visiting home and family for the holidays, and I've got some very special guests joining me today. Uh, would you all mind introducing yourselves? Yeah, hi, uh, my name's Ali. Uh, my name's Alyssa. And I'm Alice, rounding out the A's. Yeah, so these three lovely A-named people are actually members of my in-person Dungeon World group, one of the two tabletop groups that I get together with on a semi-consistent basis. Uh, with that in mind, why don't we hear a highlight from our recent game? Um, okay. Uh, I played a fighter named Pierre with a interesting backstory about a rivalry with a rival uh, a rival dojo owner. Um, and in the end, I think I got a pretty satisfying conclusion to that that uh, conflict where I finally was able to get the 
the revenge that I wanted for so long. So I, I thought it was a very satisfying and kind of uh, fun way to, to kind of get my story across and get it done in a way that I, I liked. <laughs> I really liked Ali's character for a few reasons. Perhaps the most important of which was that Ali chose for Pierre's signature weapon to be fists. And that, with a little bit of advice on my part, uh, they went with precise, with the precise tag, perfectly weighted fists, so that they, uh, so that Pierre's character concept was sort of more of a fighting monk kind of thing, rather than just a, a sword, a swords and shields kind of character. And the result was that Ali really leaned into the crazy martial arts technique names. He came up with a name for just about every move before triggering hack and slash, and I really enjoyed that. And next up, we have our wizard, Alyssa. Yeah, so I think the coolest part of the game, I played um, a wizard elf, but a tall elf uh, named Philosail. And I think the coolest part was probably getting to see all the relationships between the characters form. So by the end, we actually found out that I was related, my character was related to another character that also happened to have been a tall elf. And I think that was really cool. Alyssa's elf wizard had one other fun quality. Her bond with our immolator, Jan, who I talked a little bit about last week, ended up informing a major sequence of events towards the end of the game, where the condition for successfully completing a ritual uh, that had something to do with water was the successful inclusion of an immolator who has a mastery of fire. The bond in question was reciprocal. Each of them thought that the other was their student, and in the end, both had an opportunity to teach one another. I was really excited by that. All right, and Alice, a highlight from your game today. Okay, well, I played a paladin, so I did lots of standing between powerful magic attacks and squishy people. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess um, the coolest one was when uh, we okay. I um, blocked an attack from a downed enemy from his former allies who were um, turning on him for because uh, he was weak or something. Yeah, so we had a very... So, uh, Alice, we've played in two games together now. And I would say that there are a couple of pretty key differences between these two sessions. Um, now, last game, we did a lot of sort of extended sequences that we handled via a montage of what happened. And we actually, in our previous episode, listeners will remember, we discussed the use of montaging as a way to keep things moving, keep the story going. And today, I don't think we did a lot of that at all. So, Alice, would you mind uh, just talking a little bit through kind of how today was different in terms of pacing uh, and what you thought about it? Alright, today, um, instead of having a bunch of, like, a long, we went over a shorter span of time in-universe than last time, uh, uh, like, today most of the game was actually combat scenes, whereas last time I think a lot of it was, um, more interaction-y. Yeah, I would say political intrigue and, uh, character stuff as opposed to sort of one-on-one -on -one antagonistic relationships that ended in battle. Well, and I think a big reason for that difference today was that we had a different party makeup today uh, in that we had a paladin and a fighter in the group. Now, with that in mind, I want to jump to our new players today, Alice and Ali. Sorry, Alyssa and Ali. So many A names. It's very exciting, but also challenging to navigate. So um, 
you both have never played a tabletop game before, right? Ali, you may have played Dungeons and Dragons once. Uh, maybe. Probably not, um, but maybe a yeah. long You've time ago. You've played something like this before, but it's yeah. been a while. Yeah. And then Alyssa, you have also never played something like this before. Is that correct? Uh, I've played Munchkin, but not anything further than that. Mm-hmm. All right. So what did you think? What did you think of Dungeon World? What did you like about it? What did you think was weird? Tell me everything. I think the element of creation from the uh, game manager, uh, game master, game master. (laughs) Sorry, I'm new to this. Yeah, you're good. Uh, But I think the element of creation from the game master was so cool to just see how Arthur just kind of came up with these next steps of what's going to happen after I make this decision versus that decision, and also kind of getting advice on gameplay. I thought that was. Just really cool to see that. Okay, and Ali, what did you think of Dungeon World? Yeah, I also thought um, the the game master was amazing. They flatter me, perhaps too much. Um, <laughs> obviously, but um, I also really liked um, kind of the freedom that you get and kind of the flexibility you get to kind of drive the story with your own decisions and kind of how every single game you play is going to be different. Yeah. Um, so it's just just something that you know you'll never really. You'll never really get the same thing ever. So Mm -hmm. I kind of like that feeling. Cool. Is there anything in particular that you were surprised by today? I was almost surprised by how open-ended it was. Mm -hmm. Excited by it, because I actually thought it was really cool to create our characters. Mm -hmm. But I had expected there to be more of kind of a set plot or a set kind of way of how the game should go. But there wasn't that, so there was a lot more freedom. Yeah, I was um, I was surprised that even even there is like a lot of freedom, but like the game still has kind of guidelines and rules that kind of allow things to go together and allow the story to move forward, which I thought was it all kind of flowed together pretty nicely. So that wasn't I guess I guess I guess I didn't necessarily not expect that, but it was really cool to actually see that how the rules kind of helped guide the story, but then didn't um, didn't control it too much. Cool. Well, this is all really great to hear. Um, and I also want to direct that same question at Alice. You've played now twice. Is there anything in particular that surprised you today that you weren't expecting as compared to your previous experience? Well, um, I guess I was surprised by how combat felt kind of initiative-y. Really? Yeah. So why don't you say a little bit more about that? Because I think I'm on record on the show as really not liking the way that Dungeons & Dragons does initiative, where everyone rolls dice and that determines the order of play. Now, I don't feel in particular like there was really order today so much as there was a natural shifting of spotlight. But you, the way you describe it as initiative E, I'm really interested in hearing a little bit more about. Well, it did feel as though, um, even if there wasn't a set order, whoever was going to go next was like the person who hadn't gone in the longest most of the time, mm. uh, which feels kind of similar to initiative. I suppose I suppose there's a bit, there was less hemming and hawing than in D&D, I guess. I consider that a compliment. Um, so, yeah, that's actually one thing that I that I consider to be a, a real strength of a Dungeon World GM uh, in sort of terms of spotlight management. I really strongly believe that the right way to handle spotlight is not by going in a set order, but to go to the person who has had the least spotlight so far and try to keep it balanced that way. There's a theory of balanced characters in tabletop games, which isn't about damage output or ability to impact the fiction. It's about the amount of time they spend in the spotlight being more or less equivalent to what everyone else gets, which is something that I think ends up feeling 
if you're handling it well, ends up feeling like everyone is getting the same amount of impact just by virtue of the fact that they have the same amount of focus time. Um, that's kind of how I like to balance the moment-to-moment interaction. So with that in mind, is there anything that you hope to see more of next time or maybe to see differently? Anything that didn't work for you today? I'm really curious to hear, you know, sort of what some of the pitfalls that you may have perceived were. Um, for me, I'd be just interested in exploring more and more settings, um, you know, different moving away from just a simple like fantasy kind of medieval setting to more more like more more unique kind of things. Um, not that the the setting we we saw today wasn't unique in any way, but uh, just um, I just I'm just kind of more int- I'd be really interested in just seeing kind of like kind of unexpected scenarios and stuff and just yeah keep keep seeing stuff like that would be cool for me. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Alyssa? Yeah, um, I'd say because as um, Arthur mentioned today, there was like a lot more kind of conflicts. In um, and battles, but I'd be really interested to see what it's like to be in a game with more of the uh, montages and more kind of intrigue. Yes, mm. intrigue. Okay, and Alice, what about you? Hmm. <laughs> well, let's see. I know that our our GM doesn't like scripting stuff. Um, what can I say? <laughs> so, I guess that's like, I guess having like some story decided in advance by the GM is something I miss a little bit from D anD. d If if that's fair for you, mm-hmm. um, I do. I do think that the way um, this focus is handled is better for um, everyone in the group to take part. And I guess, yeah, I think I would also like to do more intrigue stuff next time. All right, that all sounds good to me. So one area of Dungeon World that we haven't explored yet, because this group has sort of still finding its footing, and we're still having session ones, uh, you know, first session character creation and setting establishment, is that we haven't had an opportunity to really work with long term. Uh, adventure and campaign fronts in a way that I'm hoping that we're going to be able to in uh, subsequent games. Um, so now, those of you... think aliens could invade our fantasy world? 100%. <laughs> yes. uh, so the idea behind a campaign or adventure front, for those of you uh, who maybe don't play with those very often or who are players in their game and don't really get to peek behind the GM curtain, the idea behind a front is that there is a certain amount of pre-planned narrative intrigue that can be crafted in advance. Typically, it is avoided in sort of a session one or session zero, but definitely should be ready for a session two. So we'll definitely check in again next time we play, where maybe we're going to see a little bit more of that prepared plotting as opposed to purely improvisational content. But with that in mind, thank you all so much for coming up here and uh, popping into our show. I've really enjoyed chatting with you about some of the stuff that we got to do today. And uh, I'm really looking forward to next week when we uh, get a chance to play again. So with that in mind, uh, back to our regularly scheduled broadcast. Thank you again, Ali, Alice, and Alyssa for joining me for a post-game retrospective, a little bit of a post-mortem. I feel like I really learned a lot just having a frank conversation about the game with my players after the fact. I know I've mentioned to Eamon before, and I can't remember if this was on microphone, that I don't really ask for feedback in the middle of the game. But today was one of those games where I was glad that I did get that feedback after the fact. And I think uh, I think Alice is right. There's a better than even chance that next game there will be some aliens touching down. Because that just seems like it's the right fit for the game that we're playing. Anyway, coming up next, we've got a longer segment with Kimmy or Golden Lasso Girl. 
She joins us today for our adventure workshop and our picture this segments and gives us some really cool ways to think about diversity and playing characters that do not match what we are in real life. I was really excited to have this conversation, and I hope you're going to enjoy and learn a little bit from it yourself. So, with that in mind, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to Play to Find Out, the Dungeon World podcast from the Dungeon World Discord. I'm Arthur, or Art Projects, one of your hosts, and joining me today, because Eamon is off on assignment, we have a very special guest host. Would you mind introducing yourself? Hi, I'm Kimmy. I go by Golden Lasso Girl on Discord and all social medias, and I am from the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. So we're very excited to have Kimmy on the show today uh, in Eamon's absence. And we're just going to kind of go through our usual chatter and have a nice conversation. And as always, that means we're going to be starting with some highlights from our recent games. Kimmy, I understand you have something today. Yeah, um, I recently ran an Urban Shadows campaign, a uh, short campaign, um, which was super fun. Um, and like always, like the players throw those things at you that you were just completely unprepared for. I had two amazing players, um, my friend Aubrey and my friend Jason, who were playing. One was Faye um, and one was a, 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 like a wizard. Um, can't remember exactly what book they were playing because... I can't right now, but um, they'd been kind of um, at odds a bit throughout the game, even though they were working together. And there was this moment at the end where they had this item that was very powerful. It was the thing that the whole mini campaign was like, get this item, destroy this item because it's evil type thing. Um, you know, think, you know, one ring, all that sort of stuff, but it was a knife. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Fae character, Abria had gotten it and she was uh, on the outs with the Fae courts and she knew that this powerful item bringing that back could be like the thing that changed the course for her character's life. And so she decided she was going to like the 11th hour, like the last few minutes of the game, she was going to take it. And Jason's character um, like was like not going to let her do it. And she like started to cast a spell to like, to, to, to get him off of her. And he like did, and this is, quintessential Jason is amazing. Um, he like took her hands while she was casting the spell to like inflict all the damage on himself, like to stop her and just like as her friend, cause his character was very much like a caring person and didn't want her to, you know, get to make off with this item that he thought would make her like, like lose touch with like the person she'd started becoming away from the Fey realm, like took her hands and like just, absorbed all that like damage into his himself as this character, like in like this self-sacrificing moment. Um, that was beautiful and amazing. And everyone at the table just kind of froze and kind of like teared up a little. And then we all kind of like, Oh, Oh God. Okay. Uh, what? All right. Roll the dice. What? It, and then you kind of like, we, like we kind of like shook ourselves out of it and resolved it. Um, t- it turned out he didn't quite die. So there was also like a bit of a happy ending after that. Cause you know, dice are, dice are sometimes forgiving. Um, mm. And it was just like an amazing moment. And it's one of those things that you're just like, this is why I play tabletop games. This is the amazing collaborative storytelling that we've done together. But just like the look on everyone at the table's face, like when he did that and Aubrey's face, she was just like, <gasps> like she completely forgot her character for a second. It was just like, oh God, what have I done? It was like, it was beautiful. 
That is wonderful. It's amazing. I, I am enraptured by it. Yeah, it was it was just like one of those things. Even now, like I kind of get like that that oh, I'm a little bit gonna cry just because. Yeah, the chills running down the neck. Exactly, that, exactly. Yeah. So that was a that was a win as a GM for me. I was very proud of that. Wow. Yeah, and I can't. I, I mean, I I was I say I'm proud of that, even though like I had nothing to do with like that particular moment. That was something that they created completely amongst themselves. There were a few things that I really loved about that story. And probably the first and foremost is this reminder that when something really wonderful happens at the table, especially a great interaction between two player characters, it really does feel like the whole group was successful, not just the player characters that brought that idea to the game. I really enjoyed that story. And I also really enjoyed the upcoming conversation in our Adventure Workshop segment, in which Kimmy and I discussed what it can be like to play as characters, especially as a GM, to play as characters whose lived experiences are different from our own. And in particular, ways to subvert tropes around characters that might be challenging to play and thus easy to fall into stereotypes. What are your big, big ideas uh, as far as GMing is concerned when it comes to playing sort of characters whose skin is unfamiliar to inhabit? Right. Um that's an amazing and a big topic. Um, first off, I think it's amazing like how far the community has come. Like I've been doing RPG podcasts now for almost a decade, like literally like nine years and like six months. Um, but and just seeing how far people have come, the fact that people are even like addressing and thinking about those questions now means so much to me as a woman who's played this hobby for longer than I really want to admit. Um, I think like number one, like. I have I have male friends who play female characters in games. I obviously, as a GM, you have to put on all the hats. Like every NPC, you have to be. Um, I, I think number one is like there's those like those tropes and those kind of pitfalls that have been so common in our hobby for so long. Um, and the idea is not necessarily to constantly avoid them. Like there can be a princess in the tower that they need to rescue. Um, just like try and turn it on his head a little bit. Like she doesn't have to be in a pink dress. She doesn't have to be like, oh, my heroes, thank you for arriving. And now I'm just going to be vacuous and a prop that you can carry out of the tower. You know, I, I find ways to challenge like those stereotypes. Like maybe they get to the tower and, you know, the princess has now turned her, you know, beautiful pedestal bed into four lances. And when they come through the door, she fights back. And she's actually like perfected some art, you know, some some sort of weapons training while she's been sitting up there mm -hmm. for most of her life. I think you know, making making female characters interesting and and deep and flawed. Also, that's one of the things that that I find playing games with people who haven't um, like really thought out how to make female characters unique in some ways, like. Like women, like they tend to kind of put them on this beautiful pedestal and they're the most beautiful character you've ever seen. And, you know, they're flawless in every way. And that's that's just not fun. I think the flaws are, I mean, you know, that's one of the reasons I love Powered by the Apocalypse is like there's these flaws and these connections. And if you have a female character, like spend some time like flushing out like mm -hmm. the things that aren't perfect about them. What do you think? Yeah, I think that right off the bat, you brought up a lot of really interesting pieces here, which is the sort of female NPC as quest item yeah. trope. And then sort of on top of that, a really great way to subvert that trope. You know, yes, 
she is trapped, but boy, is she ever not defenseless. In fact, she's taken defense into her own hands and now is as much of a threat as whatever the players were fighting through to get there in the first place. Right. Uh, you know, that immediately evokes in my head the classic Princess Leia, you know, grabs a blaster and immediately starts to fight her own way out as soon as she's rescued in the original Star Wars film. Absolutely. Uh, and luckily that's starting to become more common in all nerddom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I also am thinking, like, if I ever had a vacuous lady character speak that way, literally every player at my t- at my table would assume that there's something darker going on. Because, <laughs> Good for them. Good for them. Which I guess is that, you know, might be a great way to just generally approach characters that are different from you is, you know, present them in a way where you can leverage tropes or leverage stereotypes, but then make sure to leave room for that twist. When we play Powered by the Apocalypse games in Dungeon World in particular, we draw maps and we leave blanks. And that doesn't have to just mean you sketch out where you are. When you sketch out what a person is like, leave those blanks to be filled in later. Yes, the vacuous princess is vacuous, but she's also maybe the greatest tamer of animals in the land, which you know translates well when the pack of wolves is on your tail. Right, exactly. Make sure that like there's this balance because yeah, I mean there are vacuous people in the world, but they also that's not all they are. Like you're saying, you know, mm-hmm. they have this other talent. Totally. So and I mean, maybe also... she's vacuous, but she might be vacuous because she's super zen because she's mm-hmm. been training with a sword for twenty la- the last twenty years, mm-hmm. and she's actually like a a duelist. Yeah, is she vacuous or is she mindful? Yes, exactly. There's... And there's also, I think, a tendency, especially in, um, in so as people are adjusting more and more to presenting a diverse world at the table, there's this tendency to say, you know, oh, well, this is my one example of this diverse character, which I think is another thing to avoid. Uh, the token, my experience, yeah. Yeah, the, it, tokenization is the easiest thing in the world to avoid. Just have two different people who have this one thing in common. Right, absolutely. It, and and have ever, people run in I mean and it as a GM you have so you are somewhat limited because the players have created their party. Um you know and and mm-hmm. they they have player agency. They should have agency there. But as a GM you can also you you have control over everything they run into as that party. So make sure the people they're running into are diverse. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it, you know it, most of us are playing in a European fantasy type setting. Um and, but I mean, especially if you go back and actually look at real history, Europe was not like all this crazy white people. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. like single um, single race. Like there was trading going on. There was, um, you know, there was slavery. There was serfs. There were people, you know, doing pilgrimages from all over the world. Like there was a lot of lot more diversity than we really think about, and that often gets put in um, kind of our fantasy epic, you know, TV shows and stuff. Yeah. And even if it weren't the case that, you know, that even if it were true that ancient Europe was a homogenous monolith or whatever it happens to be, you know, we're we're playing a game. It's our choice. Amen. Absolutely. And, and I'm definitely not here to say that every single table and every single game needs to make the choice that I personally would make. But, you know, there's nothing stopping you. Right. And it's absolutely. worth doing. Yeah. It makes your table more accessible and more fun for the people at it. And it, I think it really does help to widen you know, personal perspectives when you're willing to step outside of your comfort zone in terms of the characters that you create and play at the table. Right. Well, and as a GM, I mean, why would you turn down a whole other world of tools for you to play with? Do not turn down the toys, people. Do not turn them down. 
Yes. Why? Why ever would we would we just cut ourselves off from something that cool? Right. Exactly. And there's so many amazing cool things. And once you fall down the rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, what are all the cool things you know that I could add from mm-hmm. other cultures and from other you know fantasy type settings? It's like amazing. And you have so it's so it's like it's like salad. Okay. Like you want just like Uh-oh. your lettuce and your ranch dressing, or do you want to look and suddenly be like, oh, I can add all these amazing other things to your salad. Like like make a good salad, people. Yeah, add some purple cauliflower and some craisins. Exactly. Craisins, man. Add the craisins. Yeah. Craisins are critically important to salads, incidentally. Uh, don't don't uh, ever let me catch you. That's one thing that I will advocate for at every table. There should be a salad with craisins. Feed your players. Feed the players. Feed your players. All also right. So thank you. Thank you so much for helping us discuss this. Like, this is an ongoing topic on the show and an ongoing conversation that I think we're going to be having with our audience and with the community at large. So thank you for being a part of it. No problem. And I mean, there's so much to say. And, uh, you know, you're never going to cover it all in one segment on one podcast. But mm-hmm. I am I'm, I'm so glad that so many people are starting to have the conversation. And I hope that this will help you do better uh, in your own games. And when I say do better, I don't mean like be a better person. I mean, be a better player. You know, have have this extra skill set that you can draw on to be successful in your game. Representation in games isn't always easy. But I hope that what we talked about today will give you a starting point for trying it out. Adding some more diversity to the characters that you bring to your game, whether it's characters that you're playing as, as PCs, or NPCs that you're creating to make your world more rich and beautiful. This is something that I personally take seriously because I think it's a great way to make the hobby more accessible to more people, is just to be better at playing diverse characters. But that's not all Kimmy had for us today. We also had a really fun picture this coming up now. So this is uh, a Ronin. He has uh, left his homeland um, in disgrace for mm. doing something that he thought was honorable, but that his daimyo or his leader did not think was honorable or went against the wishes of his daimyo, even though maybe it was his, um, it, it was something that kept him um, following the Bushido code. Mm-hmm. So he's in disgrace with his own people. He's been, he's left, he's gone abroad. He's now wherever your story is taking place, insert awesome world here. And um, perhaps, you know, he, you know, the people of this new place aren't accepting of him or think that he's, you know, a, a stranger. Um, they don't trust why he's left his homeland. And, you know, that's something that's very common. Um, and many groups of people. So that kind of fits with kind of wherever you, you'd expect that to be. Um, yeah, it's very I, easy to have that xenophobia be an element of the, the community in which your players have, have arrived. Absolutely. Uh, and maybe the local leader, um, the king or the Lord, um, whoever it is, it has actually taken him into service and trusts him. But the other people at the court do not trust him and are very upset that he is now raised been risen to a a place of prominence Mm -hmm. um and maybe that's where your players come in maybe someone has is plotting against this new person's life this newcomer's life maybe Mm -hmm. they have hired you to try and find dirt on him or maybe the king has hired them hired you to protect him and find out who is plotting against him or when the king is assassinated maybe he's the lead suspect (gasps) there you go that's a good one too so maybe yeah. he, the the newcomer, has done the hiring. Like, I need you to find, you know, to 
acquit me of this crime. I was loyal to him. He was my new Damio. Or maybe the court has hired you to prove that he's guilty. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, all, all these great things. My mind is immediately filled with pictures. There's a classic sort of samurai aesthetic, I guess, is one way to put it. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining just the the brooding, brutal warrior with two swords, one long, one short, very thick armor, usually made of wood, I believe. Yeah, all absolutely. And oftentimes they head. would wear they would wear just like their cloth, which we a lot of people in in Western culture know from you know watching movies and stuff. And also it was kind of uh, taken up by the Jedi for the Star Wars movies. They all kind mm-hmm. of dress. Um, so and I, I mean it's I think as a GM that's your call. Does he continue to wear the garb of his uh, original homeland? Has he you know changed? Does he now wear the garb of um, where he is now? Is he trying to fit in? Is he still proud of his heritage? Those are all really yeah. great kind of questions as you're building that character out. Yeah, when he brings the party back to his homeland in an attempt to wrest control away from the cruel masters that he once left, does he wear his chainmail or does he redon his original his original gear? Right, absolutely. These are the questions. Yeah, and it's a great start to a campaign. Like they come, you know, there's this trial going on about him, um, you know, being the suspect uh, in the, the assassination of the king. Your party does whatever they do to save him from that, whether they steal him away, whether they prove he's innocent, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. players are want to do in those situations. He takes them back and then suddenly you have like a full campaign. Cool. Super well, cool. this has been this is so vivid in my in my head already. You've given us something great to picture. Great. So thank you so much. Uh, and with that in mind, I think that's going to do it for our show today. Thank you for listening. Once again, we've been Play to Find Out. You can follow us at Play Numeral to Find Out on Twitter. You can check us out on the Dungeon World Discord. And thanks again, Kimmy, for joining us today. Would you share where we can find you on the internet to hear more from you about your perspectives on playing or even games in which you participate? Sure. Um, You can find all my stuff at happyjacks.org. We have a weekly kind of talk and advice show, sort of similar to this one. Uh, We talk about all different systems. um, And uh, then we also have a whole bunch of actual play podcasts, again, in a bunch of different systems, many in Powered by the Apocalypse. Um, Like I mentioned, L5R is one we're doing, all those things. We've been doing it for nine plus years now. So there's a lot to listen to, but you can kind of jump in wherever you want. Um, and you can also find me on social media at uh, either Happy Jacks RPG anywhere, or you can find me personally at Golden Lasso Girl on the internet. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Once again, this has been Play to Find Out. It's been a thrill to have you at the table. Thanks Bye. for listening. Thank you. Thank you.